Um, as he said, my name is Dr. Tom McKechnie. I am a uh, emergency medicine physician in the United States for the past 30 years by training. I continue to teach at our university trauma center and uh, work in private emergency rooms. Uh, I'm also ordained minister through Southeast Christian. Um, and uh, one of the, I represent Teach to Transform. So uh, before I get started, I would like to say that I cannot take credit for Teach to Transform. Teach to Transform was uh, put on my heart by the Lord, so I give him all the glory. Um, I would also like to uh, thank my courageous wife of 39 years who follows me all over the world with this ministry. Uh, she's one of the bravest uh, women I know. Um, I would also like to thank uh, my close friends, uh, Jim and Jenny Headley, who uh, have been instrumental, and I, could, I wouldn't be here speaking without that. Uh, also, uh, to give credit, I have had um, uh, many mentors from Africa that have taught me the way to do missions. Um, uh, Dr. Peter Ocolette has been a great mentor to me. Charlie Vitito from our church at Southeast Christian. Uh, Dr. Florence Mwindi, I'm actually... Um, was on the international board with LIA and uh, still sit on the council. So I've had fantastic mentors that I can give credit for this vision that the Lord gave me. Um, as far as Teach to Transform, I'm going to take you through how Teach to Transform was formed, uh, how God put it on my heart, how he showed me that I was doing missions the wrong way, the American way, to go and do and not go and empower. And... Uh, through that, I'm going to challenge you at the end of this to be part of Teach to Transform. My goal is to turn this ministry over to you and youth and um, other healthcare workers throughout the world to continue to run with this. So um, to start that, with Teach to Transform, it was uh, after the Lord touched my heart to do missions, I was uh, basically a fan of Christ. I would go to church. Uh, but I wasn't feeling purpose at work anymore, and I was still searching for what the Lord was putting on my heart. And it is the Great Commission that began to speak to me. The underlying words there are the ones that I could not get off my heart. It was, therefore, go. And Dr. Florence Mwindi uh, has always said, you can have the best intentions, you can be a fantastic, honest and, uh, doctor with great integrity, but if you don't have the courage to go, your mission work will, will fail. So first of all, the word go went, and I uh, was sold out for the Lord at that point, and I was ready to go anywhere the Lord wanted to take me. The other thing that uh, the Lord taught me in this, uh, the Great Commission, is to, to disciple and to teach. That was a process for me to learn how to do that. And uh, the other was teaching. And as King's Pride that uh, Jamie Saint kept referring to as another mentor of mine, he said, we must obey. And the other was that God is with me everywhere I go. So my mission work began, and I was trying to uh, figure out how to do short-term missions for these sustainable partnerships to share the gospel. So Teach to Transform, as we go through this, you may get the idea it's about modules and medical training and agricultural training. The purpose is to be able to give a gift to local pastors who can then share the gospel. That is the bottom line. Every patient we see receive training, and they pray with every patient. So it is Christ's glory that this, uh, this model can go. So the first thing that I had to learn was cultures that collide from America to Africa, because I did most of my work with life in abundance in their eight countries. So what happened is uh, my culture collided with the African culture, and I had a lot to learn. 
So what I did is, uh, through the guidance of Florence and the many on the Life and Abundance staff uh, and at Southeast Christian, there, there was this book called Foreign to Familiar. How many are familiar with this book? This book divides the world into warm climates and cold climates. And it's very accurate and it helps people uh, figure out how to deal with different cultures. Now here's an example of a hot climate. Africa is a warm climate. South America is a warm climate. Cold climates would be Europe, America, and there's the differences. This is just a few. This book uh, goes into a lot of differences. But efficiency and time are not a priority over the person. That is huge in the African culture. I was just uh, north of Lake Victoria, an example of that. Um, we were training pastors, and we had trained one of the ambulance drivers. And we met him the day before, and he drove by in his ambulance, and he saw me in the car, and he screeched to a halt, got out of the car, ran over, and I said, well, how's it going? He said, well, I'm going to an emergency, but I wanted to say hello. So uh, emergency in his mind was not more important than the relationship that we were building. So again, the African culture. Efficiency and time, we're all about time and our clocks and being on time. So that was something I had to learn. Our identity is tied to self and my possessions, which is what America struggles with. We're all about our things. And then hospitality is spontaneous in Africa, which I love. And I've been back so many times now that I, uh, I just love the culture. And when you go back home, it's very difficult because everything is uh, the cold climate. So another example of timing. There was a wedding we were to attend in Kenya after one of our trips, and the wedding was at 3 o'clock. So we hurried uh, to go through our clinic, and actually the young man, who is my dear friend, Gus, it was his wedding. So we wrapped up our clinic as fast as we could go, got all cleaned up, went to the, uh, went to the wedding, and you can guess who were the only people at the wedding at 3 o'clock. This is our team. They actually had to put the chairs for us to sit in, and then they informed me that African weddings are all-day events. They don't just happen at 3 o'clock. Uh, so we were all already on our clock, and the African time was we were going to begin at setting up at, at 3 o'clock. So actually, there was a beautiful wedding. Uh, and one of your uh, representatives in your um, uh, parliament here, Wesley Correr, used to do mission work with me when he was a student at university, and we've become, become very good friends. In America, he was invited to a wedding that was to begin at 3 o'clock. He came through the doors at 4 and was wondering why everyone was leaving. And I said, well, in America, the wedding started at 3, but you can certainly go to the reception. So we took uh, Wesley to the reception. So it kind of works both ways. So uh, time is critical. The other thing that I needed to, uh, to deal with um, was how we serve. And uh, an example of this was the story of the Good Samaritan. And it's the biblical story we're all aware of when uh, Christ was asked the question by a, a keeper of the law, what do I do to uh, inherit eternity? And he said, well, what, what is written? And he said, well, to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and to love thy neighbor. And the Lord said, yes, that's correct. And he said, well, define neighbor. So then comes the story of the Good Samaritan. We all know that the man was beaten, and he was robbed and naked laying in the street, and two people walked by that you would assume would have stopped and helped, a Levite and a priest. But the Samaritan not only got involved, he cared for him, he picked him up, he found him a place to stay. So with that, uh, there was a study at Princeton where they took a group of seminary students uh, and said, after studying the, good, uh, the biblical story, they said, what you have to do is they brought him into the classroom and they said, you are to go across the campus and you are to give 
the Sermon on the Good Samaritan. And the, the bad news is you're late by five minutes and you really got to go. So as they were running across the campus, they had a person laying injured in the middle of his journey across the campus. 90% of these seminary students stepped over the man to go give their, their uh, sermon on the Good Samaritan. So when they arrived, the professor said, this was not about your sermon. This was about, are you acting the act, walking the walk? It's not about the preaching you do. You stepped over a man who needed your help. So again, we're time-oriented. We're fixed on tasks. Um, so I thought, uh, as the Lord began to speak with me, how do I work with these short-term missions? This is typical mission work that I've done uh, in Africa where we see thousands of patients. And I began to do uh, my mission work trying to search as to how we were going to uh, see everyone, take care of their health needs, and also um, share the, Jesus Christ with them. So it was not about uh, going and doing. It was about how we were going to accomplish that. How do we share the love of Christ without creating this dependency on us and our teams to go? So then I started justifying my prideful work with uh, Scripture, and as I would go through it uh, in John 5, 1-16, we all remember uh, the story of Christ walking up to the pool where there was the lame, the blind, the paralyzed. So I thought, well, Christ went. He went to where they were suffering. So our teams were doing that. Uh, and then we couldn't get to all the people. The Lord didn't heal everyone. But the part of the story that I did not get is that when the Lord only healed him, he said, do you want to be well? then get up and walk, and he was healing him spiritually, and everyone else saw this, and it was Christ that was glorified through that, not us. So again, the Lord was chipping away at my prideful mission work. So how do we do this? So as I began to do the work, uh, the Lord took me to Haiti after the earthquake, and there was, as you can imagine, thousands of patients that we saw while we were there. The most horrific thing I've ever seen over 30 years of emergency medicine, that was... Definitely, uh, uh, pastor warned me that I should be careful of how many images I take home. So as we had this uh, hospital there, we saw wound after wound after wound, and I realized very quickly that when the media left, who is going to take care of these people? So I began training my translators uh, to care for wounds. And within a few days, they were caring for the wounds, praying with the patients, and we were seeing much more and they were the ones that were going to care for these people when, when, after I had left. So Haiti was a learning experience. After I got home, my heart was still heavy for Haiti, and I went back up into the mountains, and I found this clinic that had been abandoned by an American doctor who, who worked very diligently for two years, had a health problem, and lo and behold, we go up there, and we're in the tents, and no one was in this clinic. She had mentored no one. So again, I learned from her mistake. In Afghanistan... Uh, we saw many children who were stepping on uh, mines. And we, uh, the week before I got there, there was a child who had lost uh, her leg and then uh, eventually died because they couldn't stop the bleeding. So at that point, I developed a trauma kit and uh, left that and trained the doctors that were there, uh, the believers, of how to control bleeding. And uh, um, hopefully to this day, uh, he is still being empowered by that. Then came... Uh, Dr. Florence influence on me. And one of the, our trips to Africa, uh, we saw this young man who had this terrible uh, growth on the side of his face. He, was, uh, he haunted me that whole night. I just couldn't figure out how to help him. I actually got on the phone, talked to my plastic surgeon's friends in the United States, talked to the hospital. 
I got up that morning and told Dr. Florence, Dr. Florence, I, and she has warned me not to, to move as quickly as I do, but I said, Dr. Florence, I've called the, I called the U.S., we've got a hospital ready, got plastic surgeons ready, all we have to do is get him there. And she said, no, Tom, that's not the way to do this. The way to do this is to empower this village. The village needs to fundraise. We need to get him to Nairobi. So then what happens, uh, they did that. They fundraised for this gentleman. He had a surgery in Nairobi. And then when they now have future medical problems, they don't rely on an American team to come in and fix. They know they can do it, and they can take care of their own. And it was done in country, which empowered uh, the African village that we were in. So how do we share the love of Christ? So here's the teach to transform protocol that God has put on my heart. First, we go into an area. Uh, this is very similar to what Jamie was talking about. In fact, we have partnered on trips uh, when we need uh, specific uh, modules. So we do a site visit with a, with a local or indigenous partner, find out their needs the area, in the area that we're going to serve. We prioritize them. We ask the Christian community leaders to submit a three-year plan, take advantage of the skills we teach, and then we go back home, prepare a team to come and empower the churches and organizations, commit to a three-year partnership, and then uh, bring the specific skill sets. So this is what this looks like. We did a site visit to Liberia, uh, Jim Headley and I. Uh, we were asked to come by a, a pastor who was in need. So once we landed in Liberia, he took us to the churches. We casted the vision for Teach to Transform. We asked them to prioritize their needs. Uh, we went around the room. They, they said things from agriculture to obstetrics to neonatal to wounds. Uh, we wrote them all down, and then we asked them to prioritize one through five. So once they did that, we, we agreed to partner with them to chip away at their list. So then we asked who is to be trained, and to ask to follow up on Jamie's answer to this. The whole room raised their hands, but we asked them to submit a, mo a uh, proposal is that if we give you this gift of medicine or whichever uh, module you're asking, what is your three-year plan? How are you going to share the gospel with this? So with that response, we know now who we're going to train in Liberia. We also did some work when possible to go through the government. We uh, met the Department of Health Ministry, Education, uh, and we actually got an audience with the Vice President of Liberia who actually said this is uh, brilliant and we asked to pray with him and he allowed us to pray. It was a, a very uh, rewarding and he said when we come in, he will pave the way to increase uh, medical care in the outlying communities to supplement the medical clinics. We also uh, touched base with a Baptist ministry, and they were so excited about this module, they're going to be incorporated also into our training, and we plan this trip uh, after the first of the year. So our mission philosophy is to break the cycle of dependency, like Jamie was speaking about, be a resource for churches, mission organizations, and then prepare to go and teach. Now to turn back to Haiti, when I went back to the pastors, and Haiti is one of the most dependent countries in the world. If going and doing was the answer, Haiti would be thriving. Haiti is the most dependent place I've ever been. As soon as you land on the, on the, the ground, they're asking you for things. Uh, all the teams that go in there are full of prideful, we did this, we did that, never asking what the needs were. So I spoke with this pastor who I became friends with after the earthquake, and I said, uh, and he said, we need to change this. We need to empower the church. So through that, we started here. We began bringing teams in to teach. Uh, 
this is the clinic now that is no longer a clinic that started in the dirt. It has now been designated a hospital. We brought teams in, uh, a different eye ministry than, uh, than Jamie. Uh, Holland Kendall has a refractor that we taught the Haitian uh, Christians, and this is their graduation. They now have an eye clinic that runs each day. We took it even to a higher level where we trained uh, Haitian doctors, cataract procedures. Uh, he has a, an operating scope that he uses all over Africa and can hook this onto any tree, and this is the one he was referring to in Ghana. This is a excuse me, the scope they were using to do his, uh, his cataract surgery. We also took Empower Dental Training. Uh, the dental went well with the pastors, so well that we actually now have a Haitian dentist who now works at their clinic, and the pastors we trained are going up into the mountains uh, providing dental care where there is no care. So the system just progresses as you, as you move forward, and now here we have a community hospital where they're doing OB, they're doing uh, surgeries. Teams are coming in now, training at a very high level. So the, the goal then is to uh, build relationships with the holistic approach. Don't go to fix. We need to go in humility and encourage and always have an exit plan. This, this uh, hospital in Haiti charges a fee, so they have medicines coming in, and that's the sustainability piece that also needs to be uh, critical in sustainable missions. The other... Uh, a story that we have is the story of Sudan with Life in Abundance, Southeast Christian Church. We again, same protocol. So I'm going to review this over and over with you so you understand. If you call us to do a site visit, this is what will happen. The site visit prioritizes needs, we commit to teaching, and then we transform communities. Interestingly, when we went to Sudan, we asked what their needs were uh, one night with all the community, and they said medical dental, fencing, agriculture, solar, and education. So I asked, why the fencing first? And they said, well, if you start with agriculture, all the cattle will come, destroy all the crops, and therefore uh, it won't work. So my intuitive answer was, well, we need to get started with agriculture. They said, no, we need the fence first. So we began chipping away at their needs. Uh, this is, uh, we were teaching outside uh, some of the pastors. This is our medical modules that we use. Uh, we trained these through Sudan. Each trip we went in with life in abundance. What that looks like, uh, as Jamie said, it's see one, do one, teach one. We would train in the mornings, clinics in the afternoon. Uh, as we were training, uh, I learned that the African uh, trainees were tremendous oral learners. I would stand up and, and speak for five minutes and ask uh, for them to stand up and teach the class. They not only repeated every word, but with my same man mannerisms. It was totally amazing to me how brilliant these pastors were. So we see one, we do one, we teach one. We run our clinics for seven days. Uh, they also ask for uh, the eye tech, the, the Empower Dental. So Life in Abundance Southeast, while we were teaching medical, we brought in the dental. These are two Sudanese pastors who were uh, actually two of the lost boys of Sudan who walked out of uh, Darfur, and now they are running their dental clinic. Solar was another priority. We brought in a team uh, of solar engineers. They did not want to be dependent on the North oil. So they wanted this community of 18 acres to be completely solar powered. So I got a hold of the solar engineer and told him the only priority I ask is that you teach. And this will be a way that they can use this facility to share the gospel and give the glory to God. So this is the pastors putting up the, the, uh, the solar panels. This is the teaching class that happened every day. And then at the end we had uh, the pastors teaching each other. 
and he actually went as far as sabotaging the system so at the end of the day it wouldn't work and he told them they needed to find out what the problem was, I'll be gone tomorrow, and they were able to problem solve and, and, uh, and repair their solar panels. So to this day it's still running uh, in South Sudan. The other need, uh, the medical need was obstetrics. We got all the midwives together. They said there was a high mortality rate. They were having problems with neonatal infections, uh, which obviously the most common that we see are cord infections, eye infections, pneumonias. So we focused on the obstetric module to, to address those needs. We got all the, uh, the women together. Day one, we found out the needs and then started uh, our, our teaching. Um, how many are familiar with helping babies breathe? Okay, this is a fantastic uh, module that the American Academy of Pediatrics in the U.S. is, is moving throughout the world. Uh, it is how to resuscitate a newborn in the golden minute. And you can see when we train uh, neonatal resuscitation in the U.S., we use this reverse pyramid. And the 90% of this top pyramid involves drying, warming, suctioning, and then ventilation. All things I can teach you in five minutes. And that has a mortality effect of dropping mortality of infants of 40% in African countries. It's been shown in Nigeria, all over Africa. That last little bit, the pink part of that, is, our, is the higher level of drugs that are given. But 90% of neonatal resuscitation is that easy steps that we train uh, and that this model uses. And we have a little mannequin that we use and show them how to ventilate. Uh, and I'll show you pictures of how we train that. Uh, the other issue they had was cord care. So I, I said, why are you getting cord infections? So I asked them to show me how they cut the cord. And this is our teaching uh, baby that we use with a cord. And they were tying with twine, uh, with branches, and then cutting the cord with bark. So we, we started talking about germ theory and what that means and, and how to do it in a more sterile procedure, wash your hands. We put little precip packs together that, that were reusable. So we were, limit, we were following uh, cord care. The other was eye infections. So the module uh, shows that we can uh, use antibiotics. And when they see children like this, the pastors are to get them help right away, or we have in the module ways that they can start begin treating with betadine solutions. Uh, one of their other needs was uh, training teachers. Uh, so we always uh, have multiple things going on on our trips. So this teacher was training uh, other uh, educators. The school has grown from 10 students to over 200, half of which are women. The medical clinic we started in the dirt is now seeing, uh, correct me if, is Richard here? I don't think Richard's here. Paul, uh, I think they're seeing over 20,000 patients a year now at this clinic uh, and uh, doing very well. We took the same approach in Indonesia. Uh, so once God took me to Africa, he started opening doors and um, King's Pride actually told me to move out of the way and let God work, and I have been at a dead run ever since. I can't keep up with it. Uh, Indonesia, we went with Empower, and uh, there are thousands of islands in Indonesia, all Muslim islands, very hard to access. The pastors would have to try and gain relationships by coming up to the docks, and it was just not going well. So we decided to bring all the pastors into one area. Half were trained with dental, half were trained with medical. We asked them to have a plan they had the islands mapped out. They showed us exactly where they were going and uh, to share the gospel. They were given instant access when they walked onto the dock and said, I want to evaluate you. I'm a healthcare screener. It opened the door to share the gospel, just as Jamie was saying. And this is our graduating class uh, that, are, uh, that was much more powerful than Americans going island by island. Uh, we had a, a doctor who had been working in Ecuador for 10 years. He heard about the modules. 
we actually trained his team. Two of the doctors came. We trained them. They took it to Ecuador and uh, began teaching. This is one of the students. We do a medical in a backpack, uh, very similar to what Jamie's doing. And this is, uh, you can see the pride and the self-esteem that's been elevated to this young lady who is now taking care of her village long after that American team leaves. Another example, Myanmar. Uh, we were asked to go in there with an orphanage ministry, Hopeful Hearts. We wanted to train pastors and the caregivers of the orphanages, medical care. So we started with our basic modules. And these, this is one of the pastors who was praying with the patients. We're going back to train at a higher level. So we trained 15 pastors at two locations, one in the mountains, one down in Yangon. Uh, this is an area with no medical access. So uh, we are going back to train at a higher level. The 30 pastors we trained are now going to be teachers, and we're taking uh, another level of those we trained to uh, more modules, including the Helping Babies Breed. Uh, and once again, you can see the self-esteem uh, when they leave with their backpacks. We do have a test that you have to take, just like Jamie's um, module where there has to be accountability. So what we do with that is uh, at the end of the week, there's questions that have to be answered. Uh, two of the young ladies were not able to pass our test, and they are the assistance, to, excuse me, to our healthcare screeners. Um, then, uh, just two months ago, we were with Kenyan Kids Foundation with Wesley Corrier, uh, north of Lake Victoria near Katali. Uh, we worked uh, with Empower and Teach to Transform, and uh, the plan there was to come in and train pastors to help a U University of Louisville medical team that I've been, that were made up of uh, 15 medical students. So we came in early to train the pastors. We trained the midwives on the helping babies breathe, and this is them sitting there. Uh, they all did very well. We have the mannequin they work with. Uh, prenatal care was an issue there. We brought our students, uh, medical students and nurses to come with me and train the pastors. We trained 10. And uh, these 10 pastors, we trained two assistants as well as the pastor. The pastor gets the, and the, and the designated trainee gets the backpack and he has two trainers uh, that are with him that we call medical health care assistants uh, and then we have a ceremony that day so the test came on Friday and here's the difference between America and the pastor we train Pastor Alfred who went through the week he had done very well and I said uh, that day that they had to be there on time we were going to start our testing at 9 American time and we were going to be finished by 11 and we were going to have certificates given out for those that uh, were, uh, were able to pass the test. So we look around. Pastor Alfred's not there. So he comes in 20 minutes late. He's sweaty. He's in his suit. He's got his backpack. And I said, Pastor Alfred, I was so worried about you. What happened? He said, well, on the way to take my test, I saw 10 people. Three of them have high fevers, and they're sick. So he gave me their, uh, their medical uh, triage forms. And I, said, and I uh, stood up and I said, Pastor Alfred, this is, the this is what inspires me to keep going. You were not so much worried about getting your certificate, but caring for the people that were in your way, unlike the American seminary students, you not only stopped, you assessed them at the risk of not completing this test. Uh, so glory be to God, Pastor Alfred was one of the ten who were triaged for the big medical team that came into the clinic. And we have had uh, feedback that they have never had a medical clinic run so efficiently because the pastors were triaging and only letting through those who were very sick. So this medical team's resources were used tremendously. They were uh, reinforcing 
and every person got a prayer as they came into the clinic and Christ was being glorified by the work. Uh, just a few more examples. Uh, we just, uh, Jim and I just got back from Rwanda with um, a pastor there, a pa actually a Kenyan who was doing work in Rwanda, praise God, and he had a ministry that he felt that we could uh, lift up his community with training, so we met to meet community leaders and uh, uh, now working on logistics of, uh, of bringing the team in within the next year. So as God moved me out of the way, as King's Pride recommended, there has been a wave of recommendations when we find out needs. So the needs are agriculture, veterinary medicine. I've got vets to go. We have farmers that are coming. We have people making gospel modules, solar powder, and now motorcycle repair. We're going to go back into Myanmar. Uh, we, the young ladies who are in the orphanage are now um, at an age where they have to leave, so they have no skill set, so we're going to train sewing, and we're, we're uh, partnering with Empower and Hopeful Hearts on that ministry. The young men had no uh, access or any kind of skill set, so I've got uh, mechanical engineers building a motorcycle repair kit so that we can go in and train them to repair motorcycles. We found out that of 2.9, uh, I believe it was 2.9 vehicles registered in Myanmar, one point seven or 1.9 of them were two-wheel. So there's a tremendous need there. Uh, our agriculture, uh, we're working with uh, farmers to use crop rotation. We started this uh, process in Sudan, bringing the next generation along to learn how to plant and uh, empower themselves. Uh, this is our agricultural team. Um, our veterinary uh, team is working on canning, pasteurization, artificial insemination to keep, uh, produce milk production. So really this is put together based on the needs to serve the people we, we uh, we're serving and not about going and fixing. Um, uh, one of those examples in Haiti of arrogance uh, that I suffered with for so long and I can speak to this because I was the same. I brought a physician into Haiti and after two days he pulled a pastor aside who built this monstrous clinic. He said, here's what you need to do to fix this. So after he was finished, the pastor never said a word to him. I put my arm around him and said, do you realize how arrogant you just sounded? You just talked to a pastor whose whole life has been in Haiti, just like the pastors we see in Africa and Indonesia, and you never once asked them what they need. You went to fix. You have to change the mindset, and that's what we work on back in the States with cultural training, and we prepare the teams to teach. Uh, so our virtual professionals, uh, which I want to expand to Africa, is we have pediatrician, infectious disease docs, who send me iPad pictures, and then I send it to our university. They send me back answers, and we're working through Haiti and elsewhere to work on some of these things that we don't know the answer to. The goal is to have Kenyan physicians be part of this virtual doctors, so if there's someone in an outlying community in Kenya with an issue, they call a virtual doctor in Nairobi, and he can uh, support that work. So long term, we want uh, our local professionals uh, to work and be part of that, uh, that team. So TTT works with mission departments, churches, organizations, uh, nursing schools, medical schools. I've had uh, the uh, um, blessing to be able to speak at the medical schools, speak with missions, and that is no small task in the U.S. Uh, because of the uh, politically correct atmosphere in the U.S., you have to be very careful, but I've uh, been able to really reach some of these young students in nursing programs and medical students to train. Uh, so how do we solve this problem of dependency? I extend the challenge to you to be part of this 
tell me where your mission field is, tell us where it is, tell us your needs, set up a site visit, and begin the networking of how we can work together to empower and raise up uh, and share the love of Christ with your community. The other thing we were talking with the medical students today, we asked them to help us with our modules to uh, translate into Swahili. Uh, so we want you to be members of our teaching teams. If you see something that's needed or have pictures, we constantly uh, are working on these modules to where they're, they're uh, constantly a dynamic and they are culture specific and site uh, customized. So we want to restore dignity to the poor, lonely, hopeless through Christ. And um, we must serve with humility for God's glory, serve without creating dependency. And I'm asking you to be, a, be chosen and hear God's word. Open for questions.